Hi, Father Ian Van Houston here, the Art of Living Well podcast, where I just take an opportunity in this audio format to delve a little bit deeper into topics that I deal with on the website. So I want to jump in. We're having a great discussion on the Facebook group about the role of priests in marriage preparation. And what spurred the discussion was I shared an article by a cardinal, either a cardinal or a bishop, um, who he said that priests have no... It was definitely a cardinal, actually, now that I think about it. He said that priests have no... Uh, no credibility in um, doing marriage preparation, that it should be done by um, lay people instead because priests don't have any credibility because they don't have the experience. They may have the book knowledge, but they don't have the experiential knowledge. And that's kind of the dichotomy that the article sets up. Now, we'll say, to be fair to the Cardinal, I have a feeling that maybe some of his comments were sensationalized a little bit. Maybe if they were put in their native context, maybe it would have sounded slightly different. Um, and the article kind of even does that, that maybe there was a little bit of a clickbait. But I think it just raises the question of whether priests, because we're celibate, are we qualified to give marriage preparation? So the first comment that came out of the Facebook group was, a priest is conformed to the Christ, the bridegroom, who gives himself to sanctify his bride, the church. Who better to teach couples what sacrificial love is than a priest? So this person is saying by virtue of their ordination and what a priest is. Ontologically, by virtue of their ordination and by virtue of their role within the community, that they, ha- they have a particular way of offering wisdom about sacrificial love. I'm going to come back to that. And of course, I'm going to come back to that with the responses. Comment number two, and it was a great discussion. I really appreciate everybody's comments. You have res- to respect where he's coming from because legitimate points, the priest can ensure married couples avoid eternal pitfalls. Priests save souls and can reaffirm detachment. So this person seems to be saying that the priest doesn't have experience about marriage and it seems like the cardinal was legitimate that, they, that they, they don't have anything to offer married couples because all they can really offer to married couples is how to avoid eternal pitfalls. So I, I would assume that the person is thinking like, what are the mortal sins? What have I been learned in seminary is the mortal sins of a marriage and how, how to save your souls and reaffirm detachment. So maybe a, a few core spiritual principles that could help you in your individual prayer life and your individual spirituality, but that's not going to necessarily help you to be a married couple. I'm going to come back, of course. Comment number three. But of course, how can a married person give advice about marriage? And we're going to we're going to come back to all this. Comment number four. Father, I specifically looked for a therapist. Now, this conversation was I mentioned, I said, well, would you go to a doctor or therapist only because they've had your disease? So would you go to a doctor like, for example, would you only go to an oncologist who's had cancer? Of course, the answer is no. And that's kind of what I raised. And the person said, I specifically looked for a therapist that had been through anxiety and panic attacks because I wanted someone who had been through it. So yes, I did look for people who have experienced what is appropriate, when it is appropriate. It doesn't work as well with a doctor, of course, a medical doctor, but there are plenty of married couples who have had success. Why not want to draw on them for pointers? So to kind of give out my response, I think we got to lay some groundwork here. We got to first talk about well, what does it mean to have experience? What does it mean to have experience? I think there's, if we use doctor as an example and kind of work our way through, and that's kind of what I was setting up in, in even some of my questions. When we talk about a doctor, we can talk about experience of disease and medicine in two ways. First, there's the experience in terms of actually having a disease. So if a doctor has had cancer, 
um, if the doctor has had some kind of illness. And I'm going to flesh it out and using other examples. I think it's good to start there, and then we can work our way to the differences between medical diseases and, say, psychological illnesses and psychological flourishing and spiritual flourishing. So number two, experience in terms of applying medicines and treating illnesses. So there's an experience that doctors have that after they've been studied, after they've studied, they've taken their exams and they've gone through the academic rigor, they have an experience from seeing cases and just applying what they've learned. And so that's pretty obvious, right? But it's, it's, it's a, a distinction that we need to make at the beginning because a lot of people don't necessarily make it right off the bat. That like... A first-year doctor, of course, doesn't have a lot of experience in medicine, but after 10 years of being a doctor, a doctor would have a lot of experience in that second regard. So in terms of number one, that actually having a disease experience, a doctor who's been at least through some emotional toil is better able to empathize. So as a human person, a doctor who has maybe suffered the loss of a loved one or has gone through some kind of trauma or has gone through some kind of hard times, and most of us have in some ways, and let's say for the sake of argument, has gone through it well and had a, a, a affirming, supporting, loving family, yeah, that number one experience is going to help with their bedside manner. It's going to be a great aid. But really what we want out of our doctors when all is said and done is we want number two, is we want them to be experienced out of their studies and out of their um, their actual in-the-field experience. And the key would be with that number two experience is that once the doctor has studied, that they've learned from their experience. They interiorized the lessons, and then when they encountered it out in the world, they were able to apply themselves. And I think the... the, the book knowledge, somebody could do well academically, but they can't necessarily always apply that to concrete circumstances. And that's the kind of knowledge that we want, both for a doctor, for psychologists, and also ultimately for a priest. So in terms of marriage counseling, let's start off with, by far the priest has number two experience, right? So I'm a third-year priest, and so I'm, I'm still new, relatively speaking, with marriage prep. I've done some of it, but I haven't done a lot. But I've accompanied a lot of people, and I've heard a lot of confessions. Um, I, I estimate that I've heard upwards of 5,000 confessions, something like that. I, if you ever ask me, I can tell you how I broke down that number. I actually did calculate it because for fun, I was like, how many hours of counseling? I've done close to 500 hours of counseling, or more than that, actually, now. I've done more than 500 hours of counseling one-on-one spiritual direction type stuff, and I've heard more than 5,000 confessions. That's a lot of experience. Now, I'll be honest with you, as much as a married person could maybe hypothetically do some of those if you had married priests, there's an availability of the celibate clergy that if we apply ourselves well, and I'm going to keep coming back to this, we are able to do more in a shorter time. So first of all, the, the, the formation of a priest can be much more intense precisely because we're celibate. We, we spend more hours in studying, more hours on that number two kind of learning, which then if we apply it well in concrete circumstances as a priest, really accelerates our growth. So I think a lot of times when people, and I'm going to come back to this, when they, they've had bad experiences with priests is one, maybe there was a fault in their formation. They, 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 the priests weren't formed in good psychological development, psychological counseling, and some of those, those humanities. So they didn't have the ability to learn from their experience. And so if you don't have the ability to learn from your experience, either because of a lack of formation or lack of personal integration, then you're going to continuously make the same mistakes over and over again. Um, and But assuming a good formation and a, a well-rounded formation, a priest would be like a doctor who could 
who could really accelerate their learning and learn concretely from circumstances in ways that no married couple could ever have. I mean, there's no married couple who's literally heard over 5,000 confessions of people, many of whom are married and dealing with marital problems. That's a huge number. Um, the, the, you, you mean, the, the, one psychologist friend of mine said, I wish I could be in the confessional. Every psychologist wish that they could sit and be a priest in the confessional. Um, so now let's get into the number one type of experience. So the person was getting at with the, the therapist, and I'll come back to that with the therapist, is there's a sense that you want an empathy. And, and so if a priest acts like the married life and family life is completely foreign, or if it feels like the way they approach the question is completely foreign, yes, there'll be a certain lack of credibility. But here's the thing. The priest can be an expert on the encounter between God and man, of the things of the heart, the interior journey, the so-called psychological and spiritual interior life. And that's where a priest really can thrive and offer a couple a lot. And so the, 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 the key, though, is to really encounter that first kind of experience, the sense of empathy. A priest has to live their vocation well. We have to spend time in solitude and prayer. We have to know the stirring of our own hearts and our need for love and, and those deeper things of the heart. And in this way, we offer a unique perspective that's invaluable because of our experience with the confessional, with counseling. When we've done the interior work, we're able to learn from our experience and share so many riches that it doesn't matter how well a married couple has lived, they just wouldn't have the breadth of experience that, that a priest would have. So the problem, of course, we had a generation, we had many guys, there was many that were good, but we had, unfortunately, many examples of priests who didn't live their vocation well. They were not living up to what they were called to be in Christ. So let's go. Response number one. Okay, yes, Absolutely. The priest has a sacramental character. There's a sacramental quality. Um, the sacrificial love that a priest has for his people, if the priest's heart is formed according to solid theology, A, eh? but also the grace of order needs to be actualized through personal integration and spiritual growth. The, 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 the priest has to do the interior work of discerning the voice of the shepherd, being an expert in discernment in their own heart and then in the arts, hearts of other people. So they have to do that work of that purification of the heart, that walking of the path of purgation, illumination, and union, that path of mystical union. And to the extent that a priest is able to walk that path, that's when they'll really be able to show forth the sacrificial love. So it's not just because by virtue of the office, but there also has to be an actualization of that grace. So response number two, priests, no more than simply, uh, oh, okay, sorry, um, the comment number two, which was um, that the, the priests only know about eternal pitfalls and they only know a few spiritual things. Um, so... Priests know more than simply the eternal pitfalls. When we're properly formed, we should be experts in the ascent to God. We should know the path of transformation. What does it look like to become a saint? What are the characteristics? How does that look, that, that purgation, illumination, and union? Unfortunately, sometimes formation can be de have deficits in this. Um, I think everybody might have different perspectives on what that kind of formation would look like. But the priest should be an expert in our encounter with God 
and our ascent to God, our ascent that we climb that mountain and strive and go from good to better and become saints. Response number three. So this is to comment number three. Priest gives more than advice. And, you know, really advice is not the path to growth. I think one of the dangers in receiving formation from a married couple only is that a lot of times what people can do if they have a lot of experience, personal experience, but not a lot of training, and to be honest with you, there's going to be no married couples that are going to have the training of a priest. It's just not physically possible with ours. You know, occasionally you might have a professor or somebody who has a really good academic, but even the well-rounded formation that a priest should get in psychology and counseling, there's very few lay people outside of psychologists that have that well-rounded and that the, the well-rounded, I mean, not even all psychologists and therapists have as much on the discernment piece as a priest does. So the priest's role is not to tell you, hey, when I was married and I had a problem, I did this. No, that's, that's actually really not what actually most people need. And actually, there's tons of evidence. People will say this all the time. That's not what people need. They don't need you to say, oh, when I was in your shoes, I did this. And that can be one of the dangers. When somebody has their own experience of something, they can sometimes project oh, I was in the same boat and I did this, therefore you should do this. And that's kind of what advice often is, but that's not necessarily the role of the priest. The priest really should accompany the married couple and guide them in discernment and guide them in encountering Christ. And yes, to form them in solid theology and sound doctrine, but ultimately to lead them to that encounter with God as a married couple to discern the work of the Holy Spirit. Keep in mind that with discernment, it's not something that's in play like, should I use contraception or not? No, if you're using thinking about contraception, that's an objective evil no. Okay, that those are there's some clear no's. Discernment is when all of those subtle interplays, those communications interplays, those decisions that there's not a clear right and wrong. How do I guide a soul through that? And the priest knows because the priest doesn't replace a person's conscience, doesn't replace the work of the Holy Spirit, but rather can accompany people and them encountering the work of the Holy Spirit. Only in those cases when an objective evil is not in play. So response number four, um, the person was talking about their therapist. I think the big thing would be what they wanted from their therapist was that sense of connection that sense of empathy. And a lot of times, people who've gone through any kind of challenge or have grown emotionally or who who have suffered and, and did it well, I think that's a caveat, really did it well, they have a lot to offer, even in situations that are not identical to their own. So what you're looking for out of a therapist is somebody who's done their interior work. And so they kind of can connect when they see the growth happening in somebody else. Um, that inf- so which then informs their interiorization of the second kind of experience. So when they go to study things and when they're, they're working through things and they're studying them, the, the book knowledge combines with their own interior work. But it's not just because somebody simply had the exact same experience as you. I think that's a really flawed perspective. Now, the person may say, well, that's what I wanted. But ultimately, what they wanted was that sense of empathy. So the priest has experience in the human heart the solitude of the human heart, and they can guide couples in that way. So the key is always that the priest is authentically living their vocation. So I hope that I help you to understand this whole idea. This is kind of my thinking on how a priest can guide married couples by accompanying them and teaching them the art of surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. So this has been Father Ian Van Heusen, the Art of Living Well podcast. Thanks for listening.